0: You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing good, but better than usual, actually, I would say. I'm feeling good. Is there a reason for that? Because you could share the secret with our
1: listeners and viewers, and then they could be happier than they are right now. What is it? What happened?
0: Well, I don't know if this is going to make them happier. And I hate to brag, but my new office does have a view of uh, the sun setting over the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is really nice. So that's putting me in a good mood.
1: That was pretty harsh. You know, (laughs) most people, including me, don't have that.
0: Don't have any of those things. Yeah. No, no,
1: you didn't. That was that was very insensitive of you. I've been (laughs) to the Blue Ridge Mountains and I used to own Blue Ridge Golf Clubs.
0: I've never heard of Blue Ridge Golf Clubs. Were you at the, the... yeah. You were in North Carolina for the Blue family Ridge
1: reunion years ago. Hmm. The uh, <laughs> the name of it was one of these places with all these cap like nice kind of newish cabins, and they each had a name, and the name of ours was "Linger Longer."
0: <laughs> That's nice, nice alliteration. I think nice. that they're basically the same thing as the Smoky Mountains. They just call them the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, but it's the mm-hmm. same, like geological formation actually i think technically it extends all the way to norway like the same continuous Hmm. geological structure goes under the ocean
1: my friend and teacher john mcphee would know the answer to that question Hmm. um i'll ask him so let's see we should say uh i'm robert wright this is a non-zero podcast you're andrew day we put out the non-zero newsletter uh today fridays uh the the earthling version of non-zero newsletter goes out and we've got it pretty much wrapped up and this is earthling unplugged and we talk about some of the stuff in the newsletter elaborate on it and talk about things not in the newsletter for example i have a bone to pick with you andrew
0: oh yeah yeah i'm nervous what is it
1: you should be this could sour our relationship for hours if not days (laughs) so last week uh, you know, you would watch the Putin Tucker Carlson thing. I hadn't, <clears throat> so I asked you about it, and you said, "Well, as you may have heard, Putin went on and on about history. The Michael McFalls of the world are saying like this is a challenge to people who say that Putin invaded Ukraine out of like national security concerns and so on, which is largely my view. It's a slight oversimplification, my view." And you challenged me to reconcile my my beliefs with putin having gone on and on about history okay Mm -hmm. i did my best on the spur of the moment i could have done better granted but then i i had a i did a podcast with leonid ragozin this uh guy who grew up in russia very good journalist Mm -hmm. now lives in latvia and he had seen the, the interview too and as he explained to me actually once putin got into his actual reasons for invading ukraine it was uh, by his t- account it kind of was about the national security stuff and the, the series of us uh, mistakes that that he took as slights and and i think that's actually an important part i i've uh, you know that that's kind of been part of my model in fact i wrote a piece months into the invasion called is putin crazy or something like that in the newsletter where I tried to factor in like status considerations in his psychology and how that, you know, had intertwined with the national security uh, concerns I thought had, uh, you know, so on. So anyway, that's my grievance. Good luck defending yourself. I don't see any way out of this. I don't even I, think- see I think we should just move on to the next topic. I don't see how you <laughs> come back from this indictment, seriously.
0: I-, I actually think you should unpick this bone. If that's uh, if that makes sense, because I did. I yeah. mentioned that. Uh... That seems gross, kind
1: of <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, somehow. I don't know why. Go
0: ahead. I mentioned that he got into the NATO stuff and the litany of grievances and the second part of the interview. But did it was very conspicuous. That? Yeah, I did. And it is very conspicuous. I don't know if you've seen it by this point, but, you know, Tucker Carlson is asking him basically, did you feel a security threat from the West, from NATO? And Putin refuses to talk about that for the first, like, 30 minutes. He okay, wants well, that's the part this I remember historical... you mm-hmm. saying.
1: And now you claim. And look, you know, it's possible to doctor videos. So it could be I'll go back and I'll see you saying yeah. what you claim you, you said. And it's a deep fake.
0: That's true. Although it was verifiably published prior to OpenAI's new You can't video trust anything in, in the
1: AI environment. It's all up for grabs.
0: That's true. Post-truth world.
1: Epistemic something or other. Mm-hmm. You came up with a phrase involving epistemic in the newsletter. You probably remember it, right? In a recent newsletter, didn't you?
0: Epistemic. I think I, I, think I remember using the word epistemic to. It was good. No, word. but there was a
1: particular phrase. Uh, well, well Anyway, it had the word in it. Okay, we digress. <laughs> this week's newsletter. Um, what should we talk about?
0: Well, there's a lot of content this week. Um. And I guess you mentioned the possibility, you know, you your lead is about AI, but then there was this new Gaza development that seems momentous. So do you want to talk about that?
1: It seems that way to me. Um, what happened is I picked up on it kind of what, Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know when I first mentioned it to you, before it hit mainstream media. It was on Twitter. And we looked into it, and it did seem legit, but still wasn't in mainstream media. Uh, and the story was that—I uh, mean, it, it is now in mainstream media, uh, although it was maybe eclipsed by the Navalny uh, death. But mm-hmm. um, the—it's it, that Egypt, which of course had resisted calls by Israel to accept Gazans who are uh, who leave Gaza, um, is apparently building now a kind of giant pen to contain them, an eight square mile thing surrounded by concrete walls, which depending on which source you look at are either like 16 feet tall or 20 feet tall or something. Um, and I think that's significant. Well, So anyway, yeah, the second item in the newsletter is about that. And we used, uh, although by that time it was in kind of the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, we used the middle, the Middle East Eye account of it because they interviewed this uh, Palestinian policy guy who, you know, presented the Palestinian view of it, which is that like, uh, Sisi, who runs Egypt, will be, you know, h- his name will be forever besmirched in the eyes of Palestinians and other Arabs because he's basically embedding ethnic cleansing in the view of this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the formal term for the war crime is forced dislocation. Um, and uh, so, uh, but it seems like a big deal to me because um, look, I don't think, th- who I don't see how they don't go in there now that they know it's there and it's not going to get bombed. Hmm. And they say it'll hold max a hundred thousand people, but, um, I don't know. We'll see if like a couple of weeks go by without the invasion of Rafah happening, which is, of course, the event that we think will 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 force Palestinians uh, to
2: flee into Egypt if they can get away with it. Um, I just got distracted uh, by uh, by a sound from my dog. And now where was I heading with this? The
1: uh, well, yeah. So as weeks go by. if if there is no invasion, will Egypt expand the thing? I mean, hmm. because, I mean, what they're worried about, I assume, is just the dam breaking. And, you know, we talked about this. Um, I don't know. Was it two weeks ago? I said, look, yeah. there's a chance that the dam is going to break. And you know that's what BB wants to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's fear of that, that that has has led CC to create this pen. But it doesn't stretch across the whole border by any means. In fact, interestingly, it's uh, right at the place where the border between Gaza and Israel and Israel hits the border between Egypt and those places. And it, and it spans, so like half of it is on the border with Israel, of, between Egypt and Israel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that's kind of intentional. And he's kind of saying to Israel, look, you want, you want people in here? fine, they're going to be right on your border. Who knows how many of them will be part of Hamas? I I mean, I don't know what's going on. There were certainly, in principle, a lot of territory they could have built it in. And my understanding is that Sisi had cleared out this whole area like years ago or something, which was controversial. He basically uh, just, you know, uh, devastated, erased a whole city. Uh, I think Rafa used to span across the border. Sisi mm-hmm. just got rid of the part of it in Egypt. Uh I I guess partly because he he um didn't want the continuity. Uh you know, he fears Hamas deeply.
0: Yeah, I was going to say his it's not that his only concern is uh being criticized for you know complicity and forced dislocation. He also doesn't want Palestinians to come into
1: Oh yeah. I mean, Egypt. remember he uh Came into power via a coup, he's completely brutal. After the Mm -hmm. coup, it was a coup that deposed a democratically elected president who was abiding by the constitution, who was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is in Egypt, you know, a a reasonably moderate organization, but it does have historical ties to Hamas. Mm -hmm. And Uh, so he's not a popular guy. You know, he's just very kind of anti-Islamist generally, I guess. And, uh, so yeah, that's one reason he doesn't want a bunch of people pouring in is he doesn't know which of them are going to wind up being Hamas, uh, operatives and militants who, who, who try to sow chaos or whatever he's afraid of. Um,
0: so, uh, Another thing that occurs to me, I don't know if it's related, but do you remember that memo or plan that was being passed around Congress that leaked to the media where apparently U.S. Congress people were thinking of which Muslim countries could take how many refugees? Because I think Mm. at the time, Mm. some people in Netanyahu's government were implying that the refugees could go to Ireland or something uh, or, you know, the West. Um, And I guess... European political leaders and American political leaders caught wind of that and didn't like some of that rhetoric, apparently. Um, and then shortly after that, there was this plan that apparently had like 100,000 Gazans, it might have been a higher number, going to various countries around the Middle East. It, it added up to the population of Gaza. Um, so yeah, it could be, I don't know, do you think that this could happen without a green light from The Biden administration, if indeed that's the purpose of this, to Um, to facilitate force dislocation.
1: I don't know. I don't know if there've been discussions between Egypt and Israel. This is some kind of deal. I don't know if Biden's been involved, but I don't think uh, Bibi at this point respects any yellow lights from the administration. And Biden seems afraid to to do a red light in the sense of actually saying we're suspending the flow of weapons. Right. Or, or, or just, or just giving a kind of speech, like alluding to, I mean, he could, he could amp it way up beyond what he's, what he's done, even rhetorically. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's other things he could do beyond that if he were serious, but apparently he's, he just, uh, I assume fears the domestic political repercussions. Um, I mean, he can't win either way. He's got domestic political problems on, on both sides, but, uh, so I, I don't know. It's a good question, but I don't think, look, uh, B.B., I mean, remember, he wants the war to go on as long as possible. When you think about it, it's amazing. Everyone knows mm-hmm. he has the political incentive to keep the war going as long as possible. The longer the war, the bigger the war, the better. And we're giving him a blank check. Right. This is mind-blowing.
2: Even
0: Biden is saying that. I mean, NBC reported this week that Biden is, one, calling Netanyahu an asshole in private conversations Mm -hmm. with donors. Uh, And he's also saying that Netanyahu wants to drag the war on to stay in power. Um, This kind of goes to the point that you were just Mm -hmm. making that, you know, he's saying things behind the scenes, but he's still exercising Mm -hmm. no leverage. The same NBC report mentioned that, you know, U.S. officials say that, Biden has no plans to change his policy. He still thinks that unequivocal support for Israel is the best way to go. Um, and a- as we mentioned in that item, because we wrote an item on that, um, people are speculating that it's for domestic political consumption. We link to a Daniel Larrison piece, a responsible statecraft. And I'm actually not.
1: Another, in, in other words, the, the
0: administration leaking
1: that he's really unhappy with Biden, Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Right exactly and I'm not sure that it's not going to work that strategy I mean we we kind of raise some doubts about whether it'll work because it it seems to make him look bad like he can't accomplish his aims on the international stage he's mad at Netanyahu but can't get him to do what he wants um but at the same time as you just alluded to he's in kind of a bind mm-hmm. when it comes to the you know how fraught this issue is in terms of electoral politics and I can see that this is in a kind of crass political calculation way, the optimal solution, like keep on supporting Israel, mm-hmm. but then have these leaks that will hopefully convince some people that he's not fully supportive of Netanyahu.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's aimed at kind of somewhere near the middle. Right. This is mm-hmm. not meant to appease like people like me who are super pissed off about the policy. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it, it's it's meant. To give a talking point to people who kind of they're uncomfortable with the civilian deaths in Gaza and they have friends who are more uncomfortable with it. And this way they can say to their friends, you know, he's trying. He called Bibi an asshole. What more <laughs> can a president who, who completely controls the arms flow that Israel is utterly
2: dependent on do?
1: Um, so, yeah. Uh, the whole thing is amazing. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, I mean, every once in a while, I just stop and think, like, you know, when you, uh, when you see on Twitter some baby with no legs or something, or, you know, and you think like they're using my tax dollars to do this. Biden is literally taking my money
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and using it to buy ammo that, that goes to kill babies. And, uh, you know, Every once, I, I, I I've thought about this for a long time. Like even in the context of Vietnam, the fact that the government has the the uh, power to just tell you you have to go over to this place and kill people you've never you have nothing against, or they'll put mm-hmm. you in jail. Uh, these are the kinds of things that turn people into libertarians. I think.
0: Yeah, if not anarchists. I'm not there yet, but mm-hmm.
2: yeah,
1: anarchist yeah, that, that I can see, but libertarian that's going too far.
0: um yeah for sure um do do you want to keep talking about gaza or you want to get to to your lead
1: um i mean the only thing i'd say is i i don't know where where this is heading now that it becomes an understanding that there's going to be people crossing the border Mm -hmm. um doesn't it doesn't it make Palestinians more likely to try to cross the part of the border that doesn't lead to this retention pen? Mm. Um, I, I just don't know. And, and. Is this the camel's nose under the tent? Do, do you wind up basically ethnically cleansing most or all of Gaza? And if so, does, you know, Biden and, and, and Blinken and Sullivan go down? Do they go down in the history books as people who abetted a major war crime? I, I don't know where this is headed.
0: Well, it's kind of hard to see where it could be headed, if not ethnic cleansing. I mean, so much of Gaza is already destroyed. They don't have anywhere to return to if they go back north. They're concentrated in the south. I don't know the current status of Rafa um like what the extent of the Israeli military operation there is do Do you know
1: well, it hasn't I mean, on the one hand, I almost called it in the newsletter uh the only city in Gaza left standing Mm -hmm. because the others have been actually invaded and that entails a bunch of artillery and bombing and stuff. But then I remembered that map we ran where it showed where buildings have been damaged or destroyed and Rafa had been pretty heavily hit. So I Mm -hmm. don't know. I don't know if it's still standing. Um, But, but the army, the Israeli army has not entered in the way they've entered all other cities of that size in Gaza. Right, um, and I think that's probably a ways away. and the and they may now that this has happened, they may play it
2: out and see if they can get Egypt to build bigger retention pins, you know mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm.
0: yeah okay. <laughs> so, um, as I was just saying, you you wrote your lead on artificial intelligence on Sam Altman and acceleration. You want to, you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. um, A couple of several ingredients, I guess, went into it in terms of recent developments. Um, One is Altman, like a week ago or so, the Wall Street Journal reported that he uh, was trying to round up some epic amount of investment in some visionary project To create tons of advanced microchips and enough power, like it. There's this energy dimension. I mean, Mm -hmm. the guy is thinking ahead. Apparently, like he, I think he wanted to have a source of chips in, you know, independent of Nvidia. Make sure OpenAI has plenty of chips. But it sounds much bigger than that. And involved. I mean, he's an advocate of nuclear power. It may have involved nuclear power plants. I mean, this guy is like he's got some. Elon Musk in him,
0: yeah. He's also been linked to nuclear fusion research. Yeah, um, but was the, were the initial reports really talking about like trillions of dollars worth of well, chip investment?
1: The journal cited several sources for the overall thing and said one source said he was trying to round up five to seven trillion dollars, mm. which is just a kind of crazy amount. It's five percent of the world's GDP.
0: <laughs> and so i think i think he just increased that to eight he had a little tweet implying that he, why he, not would, eight.
1: he was probably joking i mean mm-hmm. i think he also has a little musk in, in him in the sense that he likes to stay in he likes to generate buzz
0: yeah uh mm-hmm.
1: like and so who knows what exactly is uh Is going on here. But in any event, it's consistent with the fact that he generally seems like an accelerationist. And, you know, also uh, this week, Jensen Wong, the uh, CEO and co-founder of NVIDIA said at at some big summit thing, um, all nations should have what I think he called sovereign AI, which, you know, is another way of saying they should create their own large language models which of course would have the byproduct of steering a certain amount of money in Nvidia's direction mm-hmm. it's what you'd kind of expect him to say but in any event like like uh like what Altman said it is it's like you know the message is more faster more ai faster and so the the piece i wrote is uh Trying to lay out the reasons that, if anything, we should be trying to slow AI down. And the weird thing is, Altman himself has said, you know, this, the, the, the danger is how fast this stuff is moving. Mm-hmm. But he manifestly does not want to slow it down. He, right. He's like, we have to confront the fact that it's moving fast. Even as he, do, he does these things that make it move faster, including things he's doing with, with open AI strategically. Aside on the software, not just the hardware side um and uh so i got into that and and uh you know there was also a paper that came out this week um about how compute as they call it like computer power in other words these advanced microchips basically um that is the policy lever if you want to do various things including they didn't get into the can we slow the whole thing down bit i don't think but um but it is the lever that you would use. Mm-hmm. And so I got into that and, and, and just, you know, talked about how if, if we had our shit together. I mean, the problem, I think, is, you know, we are not the plan is not politically evolved enough to deal with the current level of technology because there's yet another technology that should have some degree of
0: international governance. And we're just still like fighting wars and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the the chip-related policy lever was I think the the most interesting kind of intervention of the lead because there is this sense of inevitability that attaches to technological development. Mm-hmm. And I think that that sense of inevitability kind of gives Altman a certain plausibility when he's saying, you know, this is coming, we got to get out ahead of it, by yeah. speeding it up or having the right people kind of on the vanguard of AI research because it's in any case going to uh just continually progress at a faster and faster rate um but but you're right I mean there is apparently room for human agency and you know what the kind of policies that one imagines when you point to the supply chain of chips they're they are not super authoritarian you know it's like a little extra tax or something um just to, to slow things down change the economics of it a little bit um so so that seems plausible to me i was kind of curious you know you mentioned your concerns about the ai job apocalypse um that that seemed to be kind of central to to the lead item in terms of you know when you're imagining what could go wrong just the pace of of worker displacement um would would you if if that wasn't the case if you weren't worried about the ai job apocalypse say that you read some piece? that you thought was so compelling that you no longer believe that AI was gonna create mass unemployment or mm-hmm. very swiftly generate these layoffs in an uncontrollable manner. Do you think you would still support slowing it down because of your other concerns? Well,
1: it's a tough thought experiment to do. Reminds me, I once asked some physicists, like uh, there was something about this <laughs> second law of thermodynamics, how like it's too bad that it condemns the world to ultimate randomness and chaos wouldn't it be better if it if we didn't have it? And he said, kind of a tough thought experiment to do. His <laughs> point was it's like embedded in all of right. the laws of physics, you know, kind of mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it's hard it, to just change only that yeah, thing. yeah, it's like yeah.
1: it's like you're saying, what if AI weren't powerful? I mean the mm-hmm. the the whole thing about AI is it can, in principle, as it evolves, do everything people do with their heads, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, in other words, if it were the case that it didn't threaten a lot of workers, um, then it, then it kind of wouldn't be able to do the other things I worry about. Uh, and, and all of these are just kind of transitional things. It's not that we can't handle them in the long run. It's mm-hmm. that, it's that if it all happens too fast, it, it could just be incredibly destabilizing. But to answer your question, I would say the jobs concern is less than half of what worries for sure. Hmm. It's it's. I would it's like one fifth of the destabilization I worry about, Max.
0: Mm. No, I didn't um, know that. What what are what are the other things? I know bioweapons.
1: I mean, but that's concerning anyway. I mean, we're failing to address that anyway. Um the uh but yeah, the that that kind of thing. The uh you know, um li- just the fact that we are rapidly moving into a world where people are starting to use these as actual companions. Yeah. And again, that can be good in a lot of ways. We can work it out, but it's definitely going to have a lot of side effects that we can't handle for a while and don't know what to do about. Um, you know, deploying uh, deploying bots online to recruit people to crazy cults, for example um the uh, or you know, politics, you know, deploying bots to argue with people uh and and sense their vulnerabilities and you know, there's that whole there's that whole realm of thing um and uh y- you know unleashing there was a there was a paper also released this week about uh documenting how autonomously a bot un- unleashed presumably by a bad actor could do hacking
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and i mean there's just a lot of uh there's a lot of things uh you know even the uh so a i released this uh kind of amazing video thing
0: yeah open ai released it yeah
1: yeah open ai um where you do these prompts and 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 actually it's funny it it kind of screws up in a lot of ways and doesn't doesn't read uh doesn't deliver on the prompts often in a precise way but the video is amazing
2: it is yeah
1: and one thing that signals to me is you know the metaverse 10 20 years from now i don't know when when you know you're wearing a a headset much less obtrusive than the apple vision pro whatever it's called and uh and you just say and you just summon worlds by -hmm. describing them and they show up
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that's cool it'll be fun but again you know, there are going to be downsides we don't understand. They're, they're just I would just like to take things a little uh, slower. And, I mean, the main thing is I just think we can't develop this stuff wisely in an atmosphere of political conflict among nations. We kind of mm. have to get together on the thing. So.
0: Right. Yeah, the thing you mentioned about AI companions and then the more recent thing you just mentioned about this new video, I think it's called Sora. I think that's how it's pronounced. This mm-hmm. new text of video generation, which does produce videos that are incredibly realistic and even very aesthetically pleasing. I mean, the one of the California gold rush I thought was the coolest one. That was amazing. Yeah. You really feel like I think I told you it, I, it reminded me of devs when when they can look at things in the past and they're looking at Jesus on the cross and then i can't remember the storyline it has something to do with like interpretations of quantum physics but mm-hmm. they go with a, a different one and so they get the really crystal clear picture um it kind of felt like that um obviously it's different but but yeah that even today when i was scrolling twitter i was kind of having trouble Trusting the videos, like at a, at a certain point, we won't be able to trust any videos we see. And we might have trust that Rubicon yesterday when Sora came out because it's that good. I mean, the, the Gold Rush scene,
1: I would have believed it was the opening of a movie and yeah. that the scene itself cost them $100,000 to shoot. Right. But it was all fake people. In fact, you know, it was, it was an overhead shot that, you know, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, like, it's kind of related to some of my concerns. I mean, just one of them has to do with, with art, you know? Like, will it seem inconceivable to younger generations that a human being would write a novel? Because I'm fully expecting at this point that some iteration of GPT, probably not a very distant one, will be able to write. A Dostoevsky level novel at some point. That if you hadn't read a Dostoevsky mm. novel and th- this one was just put in a ChatGPT generated one was just put into the mix, and you were supposed to say this is the one that's made by a robot, you wouldn't be able to do it. Even like a critical, like intelligent person wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and I think that that's gonna really change. It's gonna induce a kind of alienation and sense of purposelessness. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think it's so kind of misleading when people like Sam Aldman are talking about this as like a tool for creativity, because if everyone can just generate this, it's not really creativity. You know, if you could just put something in a text prompt and uh, create a Christopher Nolan quality <laughs> movie, um, if everyone can do that, then it doesn't matter that anyone can do it, you know?
1: Well, there would still be versions that have more mass appeal Pe- there will still be people who are better at creating the versions that have mass appeal i guess but uh, mm. although i mean also i think the the line between a movie and a video game will blur you know and a metaverse type video game will blur mm-hmm. um i don't know i mean what you just said uh, thinking about it, maybe i'd revise my estimate of how big a role the employment question plays because it, it merges with other things like mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a job threat to journalists, but there's, a, there's something a little deeper you're alluding to going on there. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, because journalism, there's, I don't know, there's gratification in the work itself, but there's the knowledge that it's a job. and um. So I don't know. It's uh, seems to me to be happening pretty fast. Uh, Yes.
0: I mean, we covered less than a year ago, this pizza commercial that was AI generated, which was cutting edge uh, at its time. And it looked totally crazy and creepy. It was just like people stuffing their face with pizza. It was AI generated fake pizza commercial. It looked really bizarre and unconvincing. And we, we were laughing at how stupid it looked, even as we were impressed. I mean, and now definitely Sora can create a pizza commercial in five seconds. That's mm. better than what Pizza Hut's creating now, you know.
1: So like just within the last couple of weeks, OpenAI has unveiled this and a memory feature of ChatGPT. So if you want, it will now remember things about you and tailor mm. its answers to you. And then if you want, you can you can choose like incognito mode where it doesn't remember anything about you. And you can go in, I think, and edit what it knows about you.
2: But mm-hmm.
1: the point is, that's just a whole new thing.
2: And, I and, hadn't heard and, about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, it's like, yeah. I think that was this week. This and the video.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, one got, got kind of buried by the, the video generation. Uh, maybe we could use this as a segue because um, we have an item just kind of advertising the podcast. And one of one of the things we advertise is early access for paid subscribers to your conversation with Gary Marcus, who Correct. he's an AI expert. I guess he's a is he a psychologist. I think he was a student of Steven Pinker.
1: He was. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a, these days an AI contrarian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: very critical of current AI. Uh, somewhat dismissive of its actual quality and, uh, somewhat contentious. He, he, he's, he's been in his share of spats, uh, on Twitter and elsewhere, Mm
2: -hmm. including
1: with, you know, leading lights, uh, Jeffrey Hinton, uh, who's the New York times calls the godfather of AI kind of dissed him recently. Uh, and, um. So yeah, it's I think it's a pretty good conversation. I haven't gone back and listened to it, but but that's now available to paid subscribers. We'll go public next week. Um, and w- it was somewhat contentious between me and Gary because I I think more highly of the AI and I think it I think it shows signs of actually quote understanding things, whereas he's more inclined to think, you know, it's like uh, autocomplete. Um
0: I haven't watched it, but I, I think I lean more toward his position at the outset but maybe uh maybe you'll convince me when i listen to it
1: i i could persuade you and uh yeah <laughs>
0: well what yeah. does understanding mean did you get into like well that what was is this?
1: i i have my definition and and i was asking him for his but uh but uh but speaking of paywalls speaking of things available to paid subscribers we should probably uh Somebody a commenter raised the question do paywalls come up or come down? I think I've been calling them saying they come down, but when walls come down, they actually like disappear.
0: Yeah, that's true. Walls are walls go up when walls they go up, clean.
1: curtains come down. He was saying I should say that the paywalls is come is going up.
0: But you up. you've always intuitively seemed to think it's a descend kind of thing. You yeah. usually say that.
1: But <laughs> I'm famously willing to admit I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the the paywall will be ascending soon. So if uh, yeah. people who are not NZN members want it, yes.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. They, they can uh, join, become paid subscribers to the Non-Zero Newsletter and then they can um, go to any uh, post, uh, any paywalled audio post, podcast post and go to the upper right and click something. I mean, first of all, they can listen to it then. Uh, but But also if they want to set up their special podcast feed, that'll just always have the overtime segments and the advanced mm-hmm. versions of conversations and so on. Um, they, there's something in the upper right of the post. Uh,
0: uh, so if they're on desktop, they can just look on the right um, and they'll see RSS feed and they can just click that, copy it and put it in their podcast app. Most yeah, of your, our Your listeners... podcast
1: app gives you that when you're searching for new podcasts, there's usually an option to just paste in a code and create yeah an app and that's what you paste this into
0: In uh, apple podcast that means you click the like dot 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 thing and it says add podcast by url or something like mm-hmm. that and that's where you paste it on your phone if you are at a episode post on non-zero newsletter um you won't see the thing i just described but you can click the dot 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 button there on the audio player and then that will give you an option to p- to copy the rss feed mm-hmm. so
1: But before this paywall goes up or comes down, I want to say one more thing. I got a great new business model. Mm. Its inspiration was the Jerry Lewis telethon. This is before your time. You Mm -hmm. know who Jerry Lewis was, right? Yes. comedian that for reasons Mm -hmm. I don't understand some people, including all French people, thought was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, He was a big hit in France. He and Woody Allen. I kind of get the Woody Allen part. I don't get the Jerry Lewis part. Anyway. he said this telethon thing where he would, on TV, he would raise money for, I think, muscular dystrophy. And the mm-hmm. whole point was it would go on for, I don't know if it was 24 hours, 48 hours. And he would stay up for it mm-hmm. and bring on, there would be acts, you know, people, entertainers come on. And then he would appeal for donations and so on. And kind of famously in like, after he'd been up for 24, 36 hours, whatever it is, he would sometimes do what was called going after his critics. <laughs> you know, and some people mm-hmm. would tune in just. That was like that was the great part because apparently there people who criticize the muscular dystrophy telethon. I don't know where he found them, but <laughs> um, and uh and so we could just
0: like skewer the the commenters. I want to take on, I want
1: to take on my critics behind the paywall because yeah. here's the thing, I not infrequently on a given like dialogue, I do not look at YouTube comments for the sake of my mental health. YouTube comments famously include people who will drive you crazy.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but I did look at some uh, on the, the Rogozin uh, podcast <laughs> and I'm going to let those fuckers have it, man, but <laughs> only behind the paywall.
0: And, I didn't and they look don't, at those, I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell them
1: which commenters, if you commented, on that i could be talking about you there's actually a comment i got in response to our last thing our last Mm. thing Mm -hmm. and and i got a similar thing on the Rogozin. and uh i'd hate to be the people who left those comments andrew
0: i endorse this new business plan i want to get in on it so behind the paywall yeah maybe toward the end of the episode we'll be doing that
1: I don't know. I mean, I think, look, if they're going to pay up, we should give them a media gratification.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think, good point.
1: <laughs> I, I'll say, I'll say one thing just on the other side of the table, and then save, save the big, the big, the thing that's, uh, yeah, save, save the big one for the last. Um, so yeah, I guess, so we're about to head into overtime and talk about various things that are in the newsletter and related things. Um. Uh, there may be some more AI stuff. Uh, probably Gaza stuff.
0: Talking um, about Putin endorsing Biden.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That should, that should do it. We could talk mm. about the Ezra Klein thing. Did you see Ezra Klein is now on the dump Biden bandwagon? That's yeah. Important.
0: I saw that. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, um, anyway, yes. Thanks, everybody, regardless of whether you're going to follow us into overtime. But thanks even more to the people who are going to follow us into overtime. So here we go. We're heading into overtime.
0: This was a free preview of Earthling Unplugged. To unlock the rest of this conversation and other exclusive audio content, become an NCN member at nonzero.substack.com.